So welcome to this episode of Worthy. Uh, it is a Oscar, 93rd Oscar reaction podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm John. And we're going to not really break down Nomadland as a Best Picture winner. That it will be saved for a very, very future episode of Worthy. But we want to talk about our initial reactions and just thoughts the, the day, night after, almost 24 hours after the 93rd Academy Awards, which occurred on April 25th. 2021 for films from 2020 to i think it's like mid-february or end of february of 2021 was the eligibility period uh so john just initial thoughts before we get into the ceremony itself and uh just the categories and the results so we knew after the year of covid i'll call it that (laughs) the show is going to be different that we knew that there's going to be changes that they may have taken like last year's advice and they also have to kind of reconsider everyone being socially distanced and kind of figuring that out. But I thought it was interesting to see a new take, to see it not completely indoors, to see it like in the train station and kind of having these guests still dress up and look nice and give out awards. But uh, what kind of bothered me the most with the actual production of the Academy Awards was the way it was filmed because they tried to make it very cinematic. They were like basically saying tonight is a movie, essentially, which I think is like a horrible idea for an award award show. Um, I think it was cool in some ways where they just kind of like followed some people around as they were walking or moving from one table to the next. I thought that was interesting, but it was really way more distracting for me throughout the entire show where they kept like filming people in the third of the frame. And it was like, why is the mic in the very center of the frame and our like lead actors or whoever it is that won the award? It's in like the third of the frame. It was just more distracting to me than it was to just, Hey, show who's winning let them speak, move on. And yeah, it was also too long as always, and people spoke for too long. But what do you think, Ben? Yeah, the length uh, didn't bother me. I loved the way it looked. I actually appreciated the cinematic look that they were going for. Uh, for those who may not know, uh, Steven Soderbergh was one of the producers, uh, along with uh, Stacey Schur and Jesse Collins. So the three of them are kind of the uh, the head architects for how the, the night would go. And I didn't mind. I, I really didn't mind the cinematic look, the wide aspect ratio that they were going for. I actually thought that that was, it was cool. It was different. We, you know, we're, it's been a weird year. We knew it was going to be a different ceremony. So I knew that it was going, I knew things were going to look different. Um, and I, and I liked, and I ended up liking how it looked. Yeah. The, the weird camera angles really did throw you off at times. There was, it wasn't as, it wasn't as coordinated as it probably could have been. I don't know if that's because you did have a guy like Steven Soderbergh, who's a traditional filmmaker doing a live broadcast. They are Two completely different animals. Uh, you can't really just plop someone in and expect them to do it masterfully. Um, and usually, yeah, the, the last few years, the Oscars have been a little stale with how they've been going. But this really was just a refresh and a reset button. And they might have overcorrected a little bit. Um, but in the end of the at the end of the night, I actually liked how it looked. Um, it really harkened back to those early Oscar days, you know, when it was in it in a little ballroom in a hotel there, you know, so it was much more intimate night. And I like that. And I like the idea that it's supposed to look like a movie, but I don't really think this, the ceremony celebrated film as much as it could have because they tried to make it more appealing by taking away film clips and making it more funny than it probably should have been. So, I mean, in fact, I thought it was, they didn't play enough jokes. I mean, a lot of with the host, which you definitely felt a lack of host here because it kind of meandered a little bit at time to time without like a host to kind of 
stitch it along, but I felt like there needed more humor. It was so self-serious for like most of the show where a lot of people were just either projecting their social issues or just talking about like how you need to go back in the movies and like film is the greatest thing ever, which like I love movies. I love movie theaters. Like I've gone back so many times already to the movie theaters and I love it, but like it was so self-serious that like I don't even think there were many jokes at all until we got to the Glenn Close moment where we can talk about that now or we can kind of wait to talk about I, that. I think, yeah, we should just talk about that now because I because really... Because it's not part of an actual it, category. Well, anymore. it's not even like anything worthwhile to like talk about because it was so just like out of nowhere that they... Like they added in this whole trivia segment, but it wasn't trivia. It was music trivia. So it wasn't even necessarily movie Oscar trivia. Well, it was sort of Oscar Related trivia. To the song. Yeah, yeah but... Song. And that's actually another thing that I wanted to sidestep for a little bit the best song category is like, it's great. And we get to see like all these like artists come in, you know, you've had Elton John win, you know, Lady Gaga, you know, Bruce Springsteen has won, uh, Bob Dylan has won. You have all these like, great artists. And I know that it's fun to always see our singers and songwriters get awards and, and to see them perform. They're not movie stars. They're not part of the movie itself. Like the song is a song at the end of the day. These aren't songs that are necessarily like, at, like so like most of these songs aren't actually in the movies. They're like post, they're in the credits. So to put so much emphasis on songs being like the main trivia thing was very odd and, and just, again, doesn't buy into the whole, we're going to praise movies. So you have this whole trivia thing that's about music and stuff. And it's very awkward because you put Andre Day on the spot and she had, did not want to do it. And she was cursing. <laughs> she was saying something that they were bleeping out. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I forget who was, it, who was they did out. Did they do Glenn Close immediately after? I thought there might've been someone. No, in it was Dan, Daniel Kaluuya was Oh yeah, Dan Kaluuya yeah. was was, uh, was the second person. Then they gave it to Glenn Close, and then they they played uh, the butt, and then Glenn Close is like, "Oh no, I know that song." And he lists yeah. out all these facts that someone had to have told her because it was so non believable. And I actually it was even, so clearly scripted. Yeah, it was so clearly scripted. And I actually think I was reading in a Hollywood Reporter article today that said that it was scripted. It was so obvious that yeah. it was scripted. Like, not even as good of an actress as Glenn Close cause could have saved that. It was so forced because they made her read so many facts. And even if you were, like, a hardcore hip-hop fan, you would not be able to name as many facts as she named about DeButt, which no. is so fucking stupid, and it's such a dumb joke. It's like they didn't want to host, but they also needed, like, some kind of, like, social media moment where, like, people would retweet it and, like, talk about it, like, the Ellen photograph that yeah. would happen a couple of years ago. Like, they felt like they needed to add that, but without a host, it was, like, even more jarring because it was extra forced in. And then you have, like, this um, amazing actress just, like, forced to do a debut dance. Yeah. Like, it was, like, so clear. It was just so fucking stupid. Like, yeah. so just... It just was not necessary at all, and it wasn't funny enough to keep it in there. Yeah, it was for, it was for the views, and, and it's just... They, they've been going a few years now without a host, and I think we can all agree that they need a host. And I don't know who the perfect host is. There's no perfect host. They've Anyone they try to throw out there, there's some issue with them, and you're not going to get it right. But we need someone on that Oscar stage to, to, to guide it through because there are just so many moments. Like, and, I, and I was actually saying this to someone else today that the, the, the actors and actresses who are giving out the awards, who are part of these gags, they're not live performers. They're... You know, they do it on film. It's a totally different animal. As much as the work is done before, yeah. like, they're on camera, really. Yeah. So it, to to ask people to, like, go out and read, and they're probably, you know, maybe probably a lot of these performers actually aren't great in front of, like, live audiences. And that's probably why they're doing better on film. And it's just, it's just how it is sometimes with, with actors and actresses. And so to ask them to 
be funny, to be natural, to, to just go out there and just go say these words. It 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 comes off very, uh, you know, it just comes off really poor and it's not fun to watch and it's it's really bad at a certain point. So yeah, not everyone's Brad Pitt. I'll just say that not everyone's Brad Pitt. And that was awesome. We'll we'll get to that moment in the night. But yeah, so. So set it up. Uh, we get this nice little long tracking shot, you know, to kick off the ceremony following Regina King through uh, L.A.'s Union Station. It's very uh, Ocean's Eleven-esque. So there's that Soderbergh uh, influence right there. And then we just get right into the, the show. There's no like opening monologue. There's no, you know, jokes to really kick off the evening. It's just, hey, he, we're here. You know, this is how we're, you know, they explain that they th- how they're going to do the whole mask thing. They're masked on during the commercials and then. Then Regina King was like, now let's just talk about original screenplay. Um, And that one was pretty was pretty great, I think, for me and you to see, because our girl Emerald uh, uh, Fennel got that one for Promising Young Woman. And it was really well deserved. And uh, we both love that movie. So it was great to see her uh, get that right off the bat at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we talked about it in our pre show podcast, but it. Yeah, so deserving. I mean, it's such a original script with such like confident themes that are like so fully explored. I wish it won more awards later in the night, but yeah, it's so deserving. I'm so glad she she got that win for best original screenplay. Did you know that it was on the the blacklist in like 2018? That right. script? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the so Promising Young Woman has been around, and uh, yeah. And so uh, for those who don't know, the blacklist is. What is it like a hundred scripts that ho- that they release that says like this is what's unproduced right now and this yeah is what... it's usually like the most popular scripts that are just are like unproduced either for budgetary reasons or they're just like not right for a particular studio then they kind of get like put on the blacklist to kind of represent like the best of the unproduced essentially yeah and uh, also great for Emerald Fennel is that she's the uh, first woman to win this since Diablo Cody uh, in Juno. Uh, from 2007 at the 80th Academy Awards. So she's making her own mark right there. And so we move on to Best Adapted Screenplay. And this one was kind of the first fork in the road for where people's uh, picks and predictions were going to go. So a lot of people felt that Nomadland was the presumptive favorite and usually uh, Best Picture winner. I mean, everyone presumed, presumed Nomadland was going to win Best Picture. You know, usually screenplay is another thing that goes hand in hand and it did not win. It actually went to Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller for the father, which was a huge shock to me. Uh, you were not shocked at all. I think you picked that in your, in our little Oscar pool that we do together. Yeah. I heard rumors that it, like either the white tiger was going to come from behind or the father um, was going to take the lead just cause it may have not won in some other categories. So they were going to give it to the writing, which it is so well adapted for, the screen, it's really beautiful and touching. That's finally a film I got back to watch before the show. So I've officially caught up and seen every uh, Best Picture nominee. And yeah, it's so deserving. It's it's a really beautiful, touching play. And I've never seen uh, the play originally, but the uh, film was so touching. And I imagine that's... It, it didn't feel like a movie that was adapted from a play. I like, can't even imagine how, how it would, it would have gone. It, yeah. it probably would have had to do a lot of like stage magic with like switching rooms around. Yeah. I could see it being really cool uh, on the stage, but yeah, such a, such a yeah. beautiful movie. And I think it's, it's definitely deserving to be 
the winner there. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly deserving. Um, I think that I, I think I still would have picked Nomadland just because, again, I like that combo. Uh, I think I like that combo more of a screenplay and best picture rather than a best picture and, and director because uh, it's all the story. But me and you have even had discussions about like, what does adapted screenplay even mean? Because are we critiquing it on like, is this the best adaptation of the source material or is this just the best screenplay that just happens to be adapted there? It's a little different than original screenplay. And I, you brought up many points that film like Borat subsequent movie film and, and Nomadland had a lot of improv in it. So how much of that is the script versus how much of that is uh, just improv, like right on the set, you know, so how can you adapt improv? It, it's very nuanced and there can, I think it's a whole other discussion, but it, it is, uh, it's something interesting to, to think about, uh, with, when you do talk about best adapted screenplays, what does that actually mean, um, to, to pick a winner in that category? Uh, but yeah, so moving on to the next one was best international feature film. So This is the second year in a uh, well, not year in a row. Like this is the official naming of best international feature film rather than best a foreign language film. So it's great to see that change. And this one was extremely obvious that I was going to go to another round from Denmark, uh, Thomas Vinterberg's film, probably the most emotional moment of the night when he's talking about how his daughter died. Uh, well, I think it was before production had started or a few days yeah, into, she into was production supposed to be in the movie yeah. and then she couldn't be and dedicated to her essentially. Yeah. So uh, it was a very beautiful moving speech. Uh, just, I would have to see a bunch of the other nominees to kind of like compare, but obviously with Vinterberg getting that best director nominee nod, it was pretty obvious that he was, uh, that this film was going to take best international feature film. So very go Denmark. They, uh, they won this year, but uh, yeah, so moving on now to probably one of the most predictable awards of the night. And that was best supporting actor. And that went to Daniel Kaluuya for Jews and the black Messiah, uh, who gave a really great speech. He was very excited. He was so happy to do it. And he thanked his mom and dad for having sex. So he could be there. (laughs) Yeah. He was like the young blood of the show. Really? Like really this young winner that came just so amped and excited. And he just definitely brought up like the energy in the entire room. And it it was great to see. It was so well deserved. I mean, his like his rise has been pretty quick. uh, Oh yeah. Pretty quick, but he's great. I mean, that that category this whole year, yeah, really great nominees all around. Really, Sasha Baron Cohen was awesome. Leslie Odom Jr. was great. Paul Ricci was awesome. Sound of Metal, and I and I said in the in our prediction and in our, in our nominees reaction that Lakeith Stanfield gave a great performance and one I think one of my favorites of the years. But Daniel Kaluuya, uh, and they played one of the one rare film clips they did play. Uh, they had Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya's speech when he's going, "I am a revolutionary," and that was probably the most awesome moment of that film. Uh, so it very well deserved. He kicked ass in that movie and not upset that um, that he won uh, at all. I think it was very well deserved and really cool. Um, so moving on, we have best makeup and hairstyling. And that went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That went to Sergio Lopez Rivera, Mia Neal, and Jamika Wilson. Uh, Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson are... They are the first two black women to win uh, the, in this category for best makeup and hairstyling, uh, which is awesome because you get to see again this new milestone reach this new opportunity all this diversity happening in not in the below the line people i guess you can call it in uh in for these film productions so and that movie really does had great makeup and the way the way that everyone uh was i'm gonna call it like structured and like done up it really harkened back to the 20s it had this great look to it everyone looked like sweaty and, and smelly which i think added even more to that movie so uh it was really cool and, and really well deserved 
Yeah, it was great, great makeup. And it's great to see that uh, they're finally kind of recognizing black women in that category. And, yeah, I just, I really love the makeup in that category. I'm just really pissed still on myself for not uh, getting these predictions right because I didn't take my time on these uh, categories. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. We'll talk about how many we want at the very end of the show. Yeah. Or how we, many we predicted. Correctly, <laughs> yeah, we, we can uh, we can definitely talk about that. Um, so moving on, we have uh, was we have best costume design, which also went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And that one went to Ann Roth. And Ann Roth is, I think, now the oldest winner in any category at the Oscars at 89. Or she might be the oldest woman because I think... Um, uh, I think Ania Morricone might have been older when he won for the Hateful Eight. Uh, Definitely, but I I yeah, forget. Maybe, yeah, yeah, but I, I, but she but eighty nine years old. She wins her second Academy Award in this category. She won in nineteen ninety six for the English Patient. So, uh, pretty long gap twenty four years in between her two wins. But she came back uh, and she came out pretty strong, and it was awesome to see. So, Mount Rainey's Black Bottom already getting a ton of recognition uh, early on in the ceremony. Moving on, we go to the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award. And this award usually isn't uh, given out or really celebrate, or it's celebrated a little bit in the Academy Ceremony, but it's usually done at the Governor's Awards, which is done uh, in the fall time or winter time. Uh, and this year it went to Tyler Perry and also went to the Motion Picture and Television Fund. Motion Picture and Television Fund are for essentially all the behind the scenes people and it to essentially give them a pension and give them a way of life for when they're done and retired. And that was started by Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin. So that was really cool to, again, harken back to the early Oscar days, early Hollywood. Um, it, it buys into this theme. And, and obviously it went to everyone who was helping out, uh, you know, frontline workers, healthcare workers uh, who had to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. And then to Tyler Perry for all his great uh, work and for social injustice, for, you know, he, his speech was really great. It was very powerful. He, he was very well-spoken and, and, and very well-deserved. And it's funny to see a guy get a humanitarian award from, an, from a place in, in the Academy that doesn't even recognize his film. So I thought that was ironic also. In its own yeah, way. I saw you mentioned that, you know, there's not really any mention of his films at all in, like, the Academy history, which is, it makes sense. I mean, there are comedies for the most part, if not, like, romantic dramedies. Um, so it makes sense why they may not show up. It, they don't really fit in that kind of Oscar category, nor what I think are they good enough uh, to, to get there. I mean, there's, there are some that I do enjoy. But, yeah, it is odd that, that he would be kind of put on that reward, especially for all the work he did during, like, the pandemic last year and keeping his uh, huge uh, studio running and his production team and everyone that involved with his movies and shows. He has so much content. So, yeah, big shout out to Todd Perry. He did have one of the best speeches of the night. Yeah, um, yeah, he, yeah, he did. And again, like I, I think that speaks to like his, like yeah, his movies aren't what you would call Oscar bait, but to a large audience in in the country, they love his movies. And made one of his movies probably made more money than every Best Picture nominee on this yeah, list. I yeah, yeah, exactly. So it again, it, it buys into the whole idea of like, well, what makes a, a Best Picture? What's an Oscar nominee? And I think that's going to keep playing more and more into this discussion and how the whole ceremony played out. And speaking of one of those moments, this is where one of my, this is when my jaw hit the floor a little bit. Uh, and that was, they gave out the best director award 
within the first five or five or six awards. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was uh, like an like, error. We were like, yeah. oh, no, they're just going to like announce and talk about the directors like they do sometimes in award shows. But no, it was the actual category <laughs> yeah. that they are going to announce. Yeah, it, it, it was so it was so weird. It was awesome that, that they had Bong Joon-ho announce it and they did it a really cool way where he was in Korea. And I liked how, again, how they With had all, translator. Yeah, yeah, so awesome. Yeah, they had all these different hubs where all the nominees were. They were in Australia, London, uh, they were in in Paris and, and in Korea. Uh, so you had Bong Joon-ho give out this award and it went to the obvious pick and what, who everyone was picking as Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And the reason why I'm so, sh- I'm, well, I'm shocked that it was announced early, but I'm even more shocked because of how significant uh, that this is. This is, she's now the second woman since, and uh, to ever win best director. So she's the first woman since Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker from 2010. And she's the first, uh, first Asian woman to win the award. She's not the first person of color because you also had Ang Lee, you had Bong Joon-ho win, and um, you know, Alfonso Cuaron, you had Guillermo del Toro and uh, Alejandro Iñárritu win. But she's the first woman uh, person of color, I think that's the best way to say it, to win this award. She's the second woman ever to, to win it. And so it's really cool and really significant, and they just didn't give it its justice. They didn't give it that shining moment. They just did it at the beginning of the ceremony. And when I don't think people were ready for that. And it just felt very silly and out of place for me and, and very disrespectful to Chloe. Well, we'll see when we get to the end that it felt like producers of the show, people keep blaming Steven Soderbergh, but I don't think he had like every decision uh, for this production. But there are multiple producers. But it well, was there's pr- three producers, and he he is one of them. Yeah, but he's not like the end all be all. Yeah. You know, there's three fucking people. Like it's not one person that's making every decision. So it was probably to to separate the categories, knowing that it was gonna win later on for best picture. Kind of make sure that people aren't like tuning out because it's just a bunch of short awards, like best animated short or short film and documentary subject and all that, which a lot of people just really don't care about. Like the general audience really doesn't care because there's no stars. There's nothing really interesting there for them. So I get the concept of doing it, but it was it was odd because it's just not what we're used to seeing. You're usually kind of waiting for that to be like one of like the last three or four awards for best director. But yeah, I'm I'm just happy she won, really. Like that's that's a significant award and there just needs to be more females nominated in general for best directing. It's it's insane. Yeah, one hundred percent. And 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 that, I think that's why again, like I'm more upset about that is that she just didn't get the proper justice and honoring and, and praise that she should have, even though she's been getting it the whole award season. It just felt very like, okay, like yeah, she's gonna get it, we'll just give it to her now and and just move on and it it's disappointing. And if that was the only thing that happened that was weird about this night, I would have been like, okay, like they decided just to do it a little bit differently, but it was weird because even at the beginning, Regina King um, said like, Oh, well we want to start off the screenplay. Cause that's where all these movies, you know, start out. There's always start off a great screenplay. And they've done that before in the past where they decided to do screenplay first and, and in a way build up of how a movie's actually made it, but still end with director. Um, again, like I, I think Chloe deserved her, her moment and it should have been later on but she's so badass for wearing so badass. sneakers to the oscars too. <laughs> that's freaking rad so many badass moments uh in in this actually i think we should stop now and mention alan kim playing the switch uh oh my god that's yeah, so adorable so great he yeah. could not give less of a shit about being at the ceremony did you see what he said before on the red carpet before no. the ceremony 
they're like, oh, uh, like what celebrities are you excited to meet? And he's like, anybody. <laughs> That's it. He's just <laughs> yeah. like literally anybody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Alan Kim, you are an icon. Uh, but moving on uh, from best director, we go to best sound. So this is the, the combination that they decided to do this year of sound editing and sound mixing. This is the first time in, I think, in well over 50 years that there was some sort of separation in this. Uh, so it's so no, no people no longer have to decide or figure out, determine what to sound editing versus sound mixing mean. It's all together now. And that went to the obvious choice, which was Sound of Metal. Uh, very well deserved. And we both love that movie. I, um, I wish I could have seen it in theaters to see what the sound design was really like. I'm lucky that I have a, a pretty decent sound system where I live and I really got to enjoy it that way. I know me and you have talked about it and you said you had to turn it down because it was so intense and of how yeah. the sound design was. Yeah, just a very intense movie in general to kind of put you in his uh, point of view of the the lead character. But yeah, it's so, so deserving of that award. I mean, I said it during the night last night. Like if you have a title where sound is in the name of your, your film – you better have some really, really good sound. So it, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. I haven't seen a movie really like that. And I think that's perfect for the Oscars, you know? So I have a little question. Do you think that because they combined sound editing and sound mixing that people said, Oh, well, because sound editing is a part of this, maybe the editing part goes to film editing, which maybe would have helped it when it's category later on. Just something to think about. We'll talk about that when we get, get to best film editing, but I wonder if people, have don't can't seem to still differentiate those things and that's why it might have worked. Could be. I mean if you don't know the difference between film editing and just the general sound, I don't, I don't know. I don't you know. Shouldn't be in the academy. <laughs> well, yeah. well, well that's <laughs> the thing is that's the thing is that some of the presenters they like had to talk like they had to talk up these aspects of filmmaking and they some of the people, some of the actors and actresses who were talking didn't really seem to give a, enough of a shit to really talk about it. Um, at least that's how it played out to me and again it plays into the whole that this should be about celebrating the movies and we're not really doing it in a very effective way. And maybe that's just Hollywood. So we move on to best short film, uh, live action. Uh, and the winner there was two distant strangers. There was the Netflix, uh, film. Uh, did you get, did you get to see two distant strangers? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the ones you got to see. Yep. Yeah. I watched it on Netflix. Um, it was pretty good. I thought it was really kind of heavy handed in its, in its themes, but you know, I can't really, blame that they're very powerful and just timely themes that we have to like talk about and address and even um Trayvon's speech which was like to the to the very t of what the film's about yeah. and i think he started his speech by saying what cops kill three people every day or something yeah. like that like something very dark and the one weird thing about this is you could see martin rowe who's uh, the other kind of partner on the film and you could see that he was really excited and then as soon as Trayvon started talking he was like oh shit I, got, I gotta yeah. be serious now like I know he just won but like oh shit he's yeah gonna, he's gonna talk about really serious uh, shit here so I gotta I gotta stop smiling right now yeah if you haven't seen Two Distant Strangers it's on Netflix everyone has Netflix or at least access to it so you should go see it um, there are also some really great short films they said at the ceremony and I agree that the people working in the short categories are the filmmakers of tomorrow, because you are going to see a lot of these people, you know, making their own features soon because of the success. So uh, if you haven't seen any of the shorts, I would highly recommend. Two Strangers was pretty good. But for me, if I had to choose, I think I actually might have picked this one called Feeling Through. Uh, it was a Marley Matlin produced one. And uh, I would highly recommend to go watch it. They're all really good this year. But so congrats to Two Distant Strangers. Very well deserved. Moving on to Best Animated Short. 
Uh, that one went to the Netflix, If Anything Happens, I Love You. So another Netflix win in this category. Uh, that went to Will McCormick and Michael uh, Goivier. I'm sorry, Michael Gover. I, I don't even know how to pronounce your last name. I shouldn't even be trying, but I just did. But If Anything Happens, I Love You, uh, that is a tearjerker of a short film of 12 minutes of just absolute crying uh, on my end. Um, for those who may not have seen it, it's about two parents who are grieving over their daughter who died during a school shooting. So it's very topical and very impactful and you are not going to be okay after watching it. Yeah. I don't, I don't got much to add. To yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you didn't, I know you didn't see it. Um, but again, it's on Netflix. Like you guys, everyone can go see this. Another one that people liked was Burrow and that was the, Disney short that played before Soul, or was that, or was it Onward? I forget which one Burrow was. But it might have been Soul. I think it was Soul. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Soul. But that that one was also good. But obviously, the the topic for if anything happens, I love you is, is so so present in, in today's culture, in today's world, unfortunately, and it's pretty impactful. And I think uh, I think you should go watch it uh, if you haven't. Uh, moving on to best animated feature, spoiler, Soul won. Another Pixar movie won. It, it's surprise, surprise. I mean. We had we've talked about Soul should have been a Best Picture nominee, uh, so very happy that that Soul got that award. It was incredibly well deserved, and uh, I didn't. And it was cool to see their speech because um, who was it? Um, I forget which one. I forget which one of the two people for Soul uh, who who was accepting the award basically was thanking the crew for that they had to work seven weeks. Um, yeah, I think it was. Dana Murray. Yeah, yeah, it was Murray. Dana. I I couldn't remember if it was if it was Peter or Dana out of the two who was saying like thank you to the crew who you had to work seven weeks into the pandemic. Had to finish home. it. Had to finish like, it. Yeah, couldn't even release it in theaters like you probably planned to for the last four years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, amazing. I mean, we talked about that. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Of course, I love that. And that was probably the most like predictable category of the night. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one definitely was the most predictable. And any year that there's a Pixar movie nominated, it's probably going to win. It should just be called the best Pixar. Or it should actually just be best called Disney film. Or which Pixar movie came out this year should be the category name. Um, but moving on, we go to best documentary short subject. And that one went to Colette. And that's a very powerful story. Uh, for those who may not know about it, uh, Colette is about uh, this 90-year-old French woman who was part of the French Revolution during World War II. And her brother was unfortunately, her, her whole family was part of the French Revolution. And unfortunately, her brother was captured by the Nazis and brought to a concentration camp where he ultimately died. And Colette goes with a, this very, I think she has to, this woman had to have been in her 20s, pr- probably like early 20s. She works, she worked at a, uh, at a museum in, in France that uh, talked about that honored World War II, it was about World War II. And they both visited this, the concentration camp in Germany and it was again that left me crying i it was so emotional because because uh, because of, of the way colette broke down and, and was talking about it it was it was extremely impactful a very for those who haven't seen it i i found it on youtube very easily you know you can see a quick google search it's 20 minutes you'll be you'll be happy it's a very sad thing to watch but you'll be happy and you'll feel enriched that you got to hear that story you got to learn more about the the you know the obviously horrific acts that happened uh, at the hands of the Nazis, but also to hear this one story of Colette and, and her family and specifically what her brother did uh, fighting against, uh, against Nazis in world war two. So always get an A in my book. If you fight against Nazis. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so moving on to best documentary feature and a, another Netflix win. This is starting to become Netflix's uh, uh, category of their own. And that one went to My Octopus Teacher uh, for best documentary feature. I watched part of My Octopus Teacher and I actually found it pretty boring. Uh, this category this year I know was a pretty weak category among a lot of people. Um, I don't know why. I don't know how you determine what a best documentary really is. Uh, there's so many that come out, and but my octopus teacher won, and uh, uh, the octopus looked adorable from the parts that I watched. But I they just, didn't thank him though. They so did not thank him. I'm pretty offended by that. <laughs> like he did a lot of work in that documentary yeah. and got no thanks. He taught the damn guy. <laughs> he, he's literally the teacher of the movie. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So um, maybe maybe just on our end we have to finish that, and maybe we'll get more. But we tried. Moving on to best visual effects, and that one went to the very obvious choice, Tenet. Uh, I don't. It's the only award that I think it was the only award that it was nominated for. It's the only award that it got. Um, we, I like Tenet a lot. You like Tenet a lot. You got to see it in theaters, right? Yeah, I got to see that uh, special effects in the biggest screen possible. I saw it in IMAX, true IMAX, real size. It was amazing. I mean, how many movies do you see where you're like, I've never seen that special yeah. effect before. I've never seen that. Whatever I just saw, I've never seen that uh, in a movie before. So, yeah, hands down. That's that's so so worthy of, of that category. Yeah. I think Tenet should have been nominated for a ton of other categories, quite honestly. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if just the Academy doesn't like Nolan or Nolan maybe Nolan in inner circles kind of says, fuck it. Like, I don't really care enough about it. Um, he was pretty intense this year with COVID and pushing yeah. his theater and pushing Warner brothers and, and all of that deal. I think people just didn't like this movie that much, honestly. Yeah. And the people that didn't, yeah, you know, just probably haven't seen it yet, honestly. Yeah. Where they're like, I don't want to watch this at home. And he's such a, like a, a theater driven director who just like people will go out to see whatever yeah. he makes because of his Batman films, basically for a lot of people. But yeah, I wish more people saw that movie in theaters and we probably would see like more nominations if it w wasn't a COVID year. Yeah. The pro probably, um, I didn't get to see it in theaters, but I did see it twice. And each time I was pretty blown away, uh, by, by not just the visual effects, but the score as well, which was really good. Uh, moving on to probably the best moment of the entire night, the true icon of our generation. And that was for best actress in a supporting role. And, uh, I'm going to botch this. I know John has been trying to pronounce it all day, but it's a Ya Jun Yun for Ya Jun Yun. Yes, Ya Jun Yun. Ya Jun Yun. She even said it in her speech how to pronounce it, and we try to watch it, and now I'm doing it off memory. Over and over again. Yeah, we were saying it back and forth. But but she, one, she was fucking awesome, and Minari, she truly, truly a great performance. Her the whole entire award season, she's been giving great speeches, great uh, press junket interviews, and the fact that oh, Brad Pitt got to be out there, which was awesome. And then she was even like, "Where gushing were you?" Gushing over him. <laughs> she yeah. was gushing over him. You know, and she, you know, she was so happy. One, she was she was so happy that she was there. She was so happy to get it from Brad Pitt. And uh, she even said it, and, and I thought this was really great, that she just said, I'm just luckier tonight than the rest of the nominees. And I think that just speaks more to the awards itself. Like, maybe they don't really matter. Maybe it is just luck. But she, she openly admitted, I'm just luckier than you. And what that does, though, is it puts Glenn Close in a very, very rare air and probably an air that you don't want to be a part of. And only one other person is a part of this. So she has 
been nominated eight times with zero wins. And she joins Peter O'Toole as with that distinction of being eight times in an acting category and zero wins. So she's part of that. Unfortunately, she was not great in Hillbilly Elegy, so she definitely did not deserve to win. Uh, so, but I think probably now that because we've seen Glenn Close nominated two out of the last three years, I think she's probably going to get uh, a win sometime soon. She's she's not lucky. She's not lucky at all. She's not lucky. She is by far the best performance in this category. The movie kind of relies on her character. It's like the kind of like cornerstone of that movie. It's really for Minari. You're not talking about no Minari. No, no. okay. Fucking Glenn. I don't even want to say (laughs) that name again or talk about Hillbilly Elegy. Yes, I'm talking about Minari, and her role is just so significant in that film, and it's just so impactful for all the other characters. Uh, it's impactful for the entire theme and message and story. And it's by far better than any other performance in this category. So, it's so, so well-deserved. She's not lucky. And I think she'll be back again. Yeah. I, uh, it would be cool to see if she's back again. Korean cinema, uh, along with, uh, Mexico cinema has started to really open its doors and pave its way into American culture and to the Academy Awards, which I love to see. Um, and yeah, so moving on to what was very, it was an incredibly funny reaction to see because I was with John was best production design and that went to Mank and John let out a very loud fuck because he picked Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and I picked Mank and a month ago, if you listen back to our Oscar nominee reactions, I said Ma Rainey and you said Mank and you convinced me that it should be Mank and I tried to convince you as Ma Rainey and we flip flopped. Yeah, I don't even have a reasoning for why I even like put it as that i probably was just looking at as many out outlets as possible and i was like oh the majority is saying this and i should have just went with what i actually thought i didn't prepare enough as as i usually do for the the pool yeah i mean is what it is but uh mank totally deserved it mank had the most nominations entering the night at 10 and it only walked away with two so this was the first one in one and uh it, it really it made it really look like it was old hollywood and even like again, like the whole setup of the Oscars last night, it looked like in from the twenties, thirties of old Hollywood. So uh, it obviously stuck in people's minds, and people love to see it. I, I certainly love to see it. I know Mank is not everyone's favorite film, but uh, I actually liked it uh, more than probably I should have. So yeah, it's what's on the screen was so so unique because we don't see it anymore and it was also just recreated like perfectly obviously we've been on this oscar journey so we've seen a lot of movies from kind of around that time so that was really fun one for us we were seeing people that we were learning about reading up on and and trying to see but that's not the only award mank won right no it is not and that actually brings us to best cinematography where the presumptive favorite was nomadland everyone thought nomadland was going to get it and then they announced that it was, in fact, Mank. Uh, Eric Messerschmidt won for this, so he marks his flag. Uh, he, he, it was a really cool moment. He he said he tried to give his like all in uh, in every day, and they did a quick cut right over to David Fincher, who you could see that he said you did. And uh, that was really cool to see. And it, it was. It was really great cinematography. I even had issues with myself picking Nomadland, but... Everyone was saying how that was going to win, and I really did think that was a beautiful film, but I kept thinking, oh, but Mank was such a cool stylistic feel to it. They made it look old-timey. It, it all worked, but I just felt – I thought Nomadland was going to win because everyone else was talking about it, but then I think at the uh, the ASC Awards, which for the cinematographers, they all voted for Mank, so maybe that should have been 
definitely. That should have like lit lit a spark in my head. That'd be like, oh no, pick Ma- pick Mank as the winner for this category. I'm a little conflicted on this though, just because I know Fincher, and over the past like decade, Fincher. Well, it's kind of where he started in special effects, and 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 uh, then he eventually got Alien Three, and his career kind of exploded from there, obviously, but. He uses so much special effects, whether you see it or you can't tell. It's usually because he's so good at incorporating it with his film that, like, I don't know how much of the cinematography, like, has special effects added to it to make it look, you know, like it's old restored film. Like, how many of these things were, like, kind of added in? And that also goes to best production design. Like, how much of that, and is that, should that be for best visual effects or should that be production design because the production design team is telling the visual effects what to do? And therefore, they're recreating those worlds in that way. So both of those categories, it's kind of hard. There's really beautiful cinematography, but in Nomadland, it's just like that. what you're seeing in camera is kind of what you're getting from the cinematographer. So it's it's a little weird for me where it's just like, uh, but it's just more of filmmaking is becoming digital and made up. So best cinematography is almost getting blurred in a way where all these big yeah. movies like are not even shot sometimes they just thrown in a computer and the computer is making the the trail of the camera essentially so you're saying that you think that nomadland should have gotten this or well if i had like pick between one of the two i would probably go with nomadland it's just interesting interesting to me because i just know how much fincher like incorporates cgi into his like backgrounds and i wonder how much he like added i mean there's moments throughout that film where like the lighting just like doesn't feel real. Like it just feels like it was like added on after the fact, which is not a bad thing. It looks like very like iconic and old Hollywood, but it was shot digitally too. So they definitely like added film grain, did all this other stuff. Like, so it's kind of, it's like so much is affecting the cinematography after you're done where in Nomadland, it's like everything that was shot is like what you see in the end of the day. You know what I mean? So I don't even know what circle I'm talking in right now. It's just really (laughs) how Hollywood's changing. And this is why I wish that we got detailed answers to all these categories, Why I wish we got result numbers, why I wish we, if there was some sort of rubric that we got to know what it was like like, after the fact, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it, but again, if you haven't seen Mank, which it seems like a lot of people haven't seen it, I, I know it's probably going to be a drive film or to watch, but you should watch it because there is some really, really cool technical things and you get to learn a little bit about film history in there as well, which I love and John loves as well. Moving on to best film editing, and that one went to Sound of Metal. And this was a bit of a shocker for, for us. Uh, we both thought it was going to be the trial of the Chicago 7. I really like. I really thought it was going to be the trial of Chicago seven. Cause that whole movie was made on the way it was edited and the way it was told. Uh, but it went to sound of metal, which I, I really did like that film. I don't think that they did anything great in terms of the way it was edited and put together. Um, it was pretty straightforward. I think in that regard, uh, I don't know what you, what do you think? It was one of those movies where like, I didn't notice the editing and people always say like, Oh, that's the best editing. Like when you don't notice it, when you're not really realizing and, trial of the chicago seven is kind of the opposite where like you notice it but it's necessary like the editing job i mean this is hard to say but i'm assuming the process of editing the trial of chicago seven was much 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 harder than sound of metal and that's simply because what there's eight characters there's like three different big kind of storylines there's different timelines they're going back in history they're going forward in history like there's 
so much going on in that movie and the editing kind of like defines what that film is the rhythm the pace and i thought all of those things are so amazing about that movie and it was just seemed to be the front runner and like the definite win so it was really really surprising when sound of metal kind of took the lead out of nowhere because i don't think it was really on anyone's radar especially for film editing people i kind of just assumed it was just a lock for sound and that's it so yeah and i think that goes back to my question of are, are people voting really that informed? Do they really understand the whole process? Do they think that just because uh, because most of it was in sign language that they had that there was more, you know, there was more complex things done with the editing? There really wasn't. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Sound of Metal. I love that movie. It's really great. Uh, but if we're talking about like the way like best film editing, I don't think that should have been the winner. Um, but that's just my opinion. And uh, I know best editing has is a very it's been very weird for the last few years because you had Bohemian Rhapsody one which people have broken down that editing to show how poor that it was and I even like that movie but yeah it's not like the best edited movie but then you have last year it was uh, Ford vs Ferrari which was fast 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 cuts which was awesome and it was really you know in your face and re- all action packed so like is that great editing whereas like last year I picked Parasite because I felt tonally that whole story was so well told through its editing oh yeah so integral in that yeah and so, so, yeah it's weird because sound of metal is just like the complete opposite yeah. of ford v ferrari it's couldn't be more different of a movie yeah it it breathes so well and, and that's not editing that's just the way it's shot and the way that the story is told that has not um but you I, could I say i mean the way that you're, you're intercutting characters and getting into his perspective is a lot about you know, editing. So it's also I mean, it's shot choices it. too. That, 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 it's so many There's others. So things. many things. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, but I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it. I just don't think I would have, it, it would not have been my pick. Uh, but moving on, we go to best score and actually another very funny moment. So that one went to uh soul for, to Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross and John Patisse. And as they actually were announcing the Category so Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross also did the score for Mank, which was also nominated in this category. So they said best score goes to Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and people were like, "Okay, wait, are they going to say John Batiste?" Because they don't say John Batiste with Mank, and then as soon as they, they said John Batiste, everyone knew it was for Soul. Um, so very awesome. Jazz has become this huge thing at the Oscars within the last five years. I love to see that. I love jazz and Soul certainly deserved uh, that win and john patiste is just an awesome musician as long along with trent reznor and atticus ross they're both awesome uh all three of them are great musicians yeah and i thought it was really sweet that john batiste got to speak and trent reznor and atticus ross didn't but i'm assuming it seemed like they're kind of like no this is like your moment to speak they've yeah. won before they've been nominated multiple times so that was really sweet yeah, the whole night, everyone, it it seemed like everyone who had, like, multiple people winning for a category, they just let one person speak, and I don't know if that was, they told everyone, Beforehand. hey, yeah, I told everyone, like, not that they won, but that they, if you do win, only one person can speak because of COVID protocols, I don't know, uh, but yeah, so really cool, but then that leads us to best song, which has become later and later in 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 the movie in in the show which again like if you don't even want to show the performances of all the songs during the actual ceremony and you do it beforehand why are we waiting all night to see which what what one best song it's not that integral to a movie uh my vote that's just my uh view of it but anyway so that went to fight for you uh from juice and the black messiah music by her and dernest emil the seconds lyrics by uh her and tiara thomas uh 
yeah, it was really cool. I again like another weird upset because everyone had thought that Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami and his song Speak Now was going to win. Um, it was very shocking actually to see uh, that her won this. Yeah, I was very surprised. She was also very surprised. Yeah. her was quite surprised. But um, yeah, it's interesting you talking about the best song category because it is weird. I think it's kind of happened more and more in the past ten years where it becomes like a pop song that has to be a kind of generally thematically about the movie yeah. but it's most likely not going to be in the movie it's probably just going to be the the, the end credit song it, yeah it's usually so it's, never it's more so just like an artist kind of advocating to possibly get an oscar like there's there's not it's very odd it's just become a very odd category i wish it was kind of restrained to being a song in the film like either an original song but that's what they are they're originally songs made just for the film but a lot of the time sometimes they aren't even you know they're just songs where like oh we can just throw this on this movie and now it becomes the best song so i wish it was kind of more or at least had to be included in the film because then it's more about the film it's more about film in general it's not just you know this random award for a song instead of anything being about the film so i get why you would say that it makes sense yeah so let me read off some of the recent winners uh just to give to give some perspective so i'm not like really talking out my butt so last year we had elton john for i'm gonna love me again from rocket man song yeah that was a great song but that song i don't think that was actually part it wasn't of wasn't in the movie that, it was in the very credits yeah, yeah it was in the credits and like again you have elton john you know the year before that which i think is what really kick-started it so this is more of a newer thing and that was a Star is Born for Shallow, Lady Gaga. I think that was the second to last award announced that night. That was a huge buildup. I mean, well, that makes sense. It's like it, so important to yeah, the movie, too. It was, yeah, it was such a big movie. And that song, I actually think that song is probably one of the best uh, movie songs ever to really come out because of it was such a well loved song. But I think that's what kickstarted it. But the year before that, you had uh, Christina Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, who had uh, they wrote Remember Me from Coco. So that was a Pixar song. A uh, year before that, you had La La Land, so that makes sense of that. But then the year before that, you had Sam Smith for Writing on the Wall from Spectre. You had Common and John Legend from the year before for Selma for Glory. Christina Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez the year before. Uh, in 2012, you had Skyfall for Adele, the Muppets uh, song. And then you had Toy Story 3, uh, We Belong Together for Randy Newman in, in 2010. So, again, like it's starting to become more of a popular thing. Like You've got to be a big time artist and you're, and you're probably going to win this. It's starting to become a thing. And uh, I think it's here to stay. And I think they're going to, it's going to be more of an emphasis on best original song as the years go on, um, which I just think is what it is. It actually will be interesting to see next year. Cause you got West side story, which they promoted and in the Heights. And those are not going to be original music. That's going to be part of the Broadway production. So that doesn't really count unless they write a song for the movies, which I hope they don't for, West Side Story, because you should not touch that beautiful piece of art. Since they're kind of part of the show, I'm just going to say, I was excited to see West Side Story's trailer, but didn't that just look like West Side Story? Like, it just looked like a movie I've seen already. Like, it didn't yeah. even look that, like, original in terms of, like, a new view, or it wasn't even, like, in modern times. Like, it was like, why does this fucking movie even exist then? Because... Spielberg I, loves it, probably. Yes, because Spielberg like, probably wanted to do it, or someone said, hey, Steven Spielberg, here's... 20 million dollars just for your paycheck yeah, just for your paycheck <laughs> and we're gonna give you 100 million to make this movie yeah exactly. um, very excited for that movie uh it's uh gonna be interesting to see how it does next year at the oscars just because it's already a beloved best picture winner i think 
if I remember correctly off the top of my head, it, it has won 10. The West Side Story from 1960 uh, won, uh, won 10 Academy Awards. I want to make a prediction right now. Not only will it be a worse film oh. than In the Heights, it'll also win less Oscars, if not zero Oscars compared to In the Heights. will win multiple. You really? Okay. I'm calling it right now. Right. I'm calling it right now. I, I mean, Just I, off those trailers alone, I'm calling it right now. Yeah. I mean, both looked really good. I, I got to say both looked really good. I love West Side Story. and In the Heights, I mean, if you haven't seen any of Lin-Manuel Miranda's work, you probably live under a rock. Because uh, That's me. I haven't seen anything. You haven't watched Hamilton yet on Disney? No, no, I don't. Everyone should go shame John. No. Cause <laughs> I refuse to listen to the music until I could see it. Now that it's out, I'm just, I'm over it. I got to be honest. I'm over it. You prefer to see you're it not, in you're a play not, version. You're not over it. You, you should. I was watch never it. into it, so I couldn't be over it. The people that were into it made me over it. Okay, all, right. all the audiences that are probably not going to stop listening now. I'm so sorry. Well, they this can is, be they, angry at me. They, these are not my views. These are these are John's. Views. Oh, I know you love them, Ben. They can get all the hate mail <laughs> towards me. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we're about to dish out some hate right now, actually. So, uh, so as we were getting ready for the Oscars to wind up. It's around 11 o'clock. You know, we're like, okay, there's three awards left. The two main acting and best picture. Yeah. We'll have some fun. We'll see the acting and then we'll get best picture and blah, 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 blah. And then mean Rita Marino comes out and that's like, Oh great. You know, we get another Oscar winner. She's from West side story. We get to have that again. And then I, I look at what she's talking about. The TV talking, screen in the back. Yeah. And it says, it says best picture. And, I was like, what the fuck? You know, no way. No yeah. way are they about to announce best picture uh, before the acting categories and Nas the last award. And this is where I I have been stewing in this for 24 <laughs> hours now. I, I have been sitting in absolute pissed, then angry, and then confused, and then accepting, and then back to angry and pissed, and then back to confused, and now just to kind of a whatever feeling. Because again, you said earlier, like 20 minutes ago, we have been very involved in this process of looking back at all the Oscars. I have personally been watching Best Picture movies and studying Oscar history for over a year now. So to say that I'm invested in, in this is an understatement, or that we're both invested in this is an understatement. We are dedicated to the Oscars. We are dedicated to talking about Best Picture winners. And to us, Having to see that that they just were like, okay, well, we're not going to really give that much of a shit about Best Picture this year because we all know Nomadland is going to win is a the biggest slap in the face to not just Nomadland. It's a big slap in the face to people who work on films, to the uh, just the entire industry itself, to probably how the Oscars were originally intended. And I know that, that this isn't a new thing. I know that in the early Academy Awards ceremonies that Best Picture was saved. And I know that, what was it, in 1972 – it was not the last thing uh, given out because then they gave out an honorary award to Charlie Chaplin, another person that they didn't honor for years and years on end because they felt that it was essentially a cheat code to give Charlie Chaplin films. So they gave an honorary award 40 years later after the actual creation of the awards and to sit there and have to basically just accept that they are going to save up the best actress and best actor wins because you're expecting it's going to go to Chadwick Boseman. And I had assumed was probably going to be Viola Davis based on what people were speculating. You're going to say that, that those are more important than the picture. And I actually want to say a quote and this, and not because it was Lord of the Rings, but before return of the King won best picture, Steven Spielberg gave out that award. And he said, best picture is presented last because it is the sum of all the ingredients and the end of a journey that always starts with a dream. 
And that is exactly what Best Picture represents. It is the culmination of everything we've been building up to in the night. And you're going to put it the third to last award is such a shitty thing to do. And is very, I think, such a, an awful gamble to, to take. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps, that quote. I like that quote a lot. Because it is true. When you go throughout the night, it's like, oh, this little piece of this movie like wins because it was great. But like, does that make the whole movie worthy of being that that year's best picture? And it, it's a fun thing to kind of break down as you go through. And it does kind of make it seem like the producers just cared more about actors. And that just seemed like the show was pushing those because it'd be more popular and more people would want to watch and stay watching because they would see uh, a, a memoriam for Chadwick Boseman. And we didn't even touch upon that yet. Well, we will. Yeah. <laughs> after, after this best picture, we'll talk about the in memoriam, but it is odd. It, and a lot of people are really pissed at the producers because the producers don't know only the accountants really know the winners, you know, the people that have the handcuffed suitcases uh, attached to their wrists. You know, those are the only people that know it's in the briefcase um, and they probably don't even know. It's probably strictly just in their possession. The producers don't know the winners. So they're probably kind of going off the general consensus of who's going to win. And most likely Bozeman is going to win and it'll be nice, you know, uh, in memorial for his honor and just kind of end the night speaking about him. And maybe uh, we can get into more of some of these like political issues if his family wants to like talk about it and you know honor him and and everything that's happening in the country basically. So it felt like very intentional. That's why it was set up this way for those kind of couple reasons. But it just because of that and it not happening the way everyone predicted to be, it just made it fall so flat on its face. Yeah, it it, it really did. It was just an awful gamble. It it's infuri- it, it really is infuriating because I really do think that. Chloe Zhao and, and and the other producers, Francis McDormand, Peter Spears, Molly Asher, and Dan Janvey all deserved a way better do than just it's the third award of the night. This is the best picture award. This is what me and you uh, are making. We're spending our time making a whole you know podcast series talking about best picture awards. It means something. And I know some people can say that, oh, well, what does the Academy Awards really mean? They don't. And I'll say that they awards don't really mean shit. Like our opinion, like people's opinions about film don't really matter and and that's just the way it is sometimes but to but then at the end of the day it does matter it really it does matter to to some people it does matter because we have this award show it matters because it's the 93rd of yeah them, you know like yeah. if this was the third oscars yeah it wouldn't matter as much but you know we have this history this legacy of what this award means yeah. and all the people that have had it and all the movies that have won this you know for good or bad what we've watched so far like it it matters. Your film will forever be remembered because of this one specific thing. And it's, it, yeah, not only was it so weird because it was out of order, but also the acceptance speech was so bizarre. Yeah. Usually it's everyone's together. They're celebrating. Everyone's so fun and like excited. And they know like after they leave the stage, like the night is over and it was awkward. And Chloe Zhao was just like talking a little bit and it was nice to hear her speak. And then she passed it on uh, to, Francis. to Francis McDormand, but she called her uh she called her Fern, which is her her character in the movie. And then as soon as Frances McDormand got to the mic, she said, no, like, like angrily, like she said, it. she was just like, no, it's Fran. Like, which was really awkward. Like, I don't know what that was about because she wanted to talk from like her own heart. And, and supposedly she was howling because it was a a sound. uh, Yeah. It was for the, the, the the sound mixer on set. He, he had committed suicide away. Right. Yeah. And and, uh, his last name was Wolf. So she, did the how for him and and that's awesome but and that's why it should have been the last fucking thing yeah. you know announced because yeah. 
And then it was even more weird when we get to the next award for best actress and yeah. she has to go right back on stage again. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. And then she didn't even have much to say, right? Yeah. Like, well, so so it's twofold right now. So now, so now you're the producers took this gamble. They're like, okay, we all know no man was gonna win, going to win, and whatever. Like, so whatever. They they clearly don't want to care that much about it because they would rather focus on best actress and best actor because we've been building up and building up for years since like 2015, 2016 to finally have people of color represented in, in the acting categories. We already had two when you had Daniel Kalia and Yojin Yun win for the supporting categories. And it really felt like this year we were going to get all four categories. Who's going to be a person of color. I, me and you were, we, we both love Carrie Mulligan. I, I think Carrie Mulligan was still the best performance of the year. It, the ceremony was not going that way. It was fairly, it's been obvious for weeks, a few months now that, that she just wasn't going to win. And it seemed like Viola Davis was going to win. She had won at the SAG. And she built up all this momentum. She really did. She always gives a great performance. She always gives a great performance. And so, so to me, if like you weren't going to give it to Viola Davis, then give it to the best person actually deserves it, and that's, and that's Carrie Mulligan. But then they gave it to Frances McDormand, and and Frances McDormand was perfectly fine in that movie. Yeah, she gets now this distinction of being the, having the second most ever. She's titled Daniel Day Lewis. She's won. Uh, acting Oscar behind Catherine Hepburn for the most by any actor ever. So she's in this extremely rare air. She did it two times out of the last four years, which again is a very rare feat. It's only happened a handful of times, but she didn't give a great performance. It's not like it was a good performance, but no, it was a great performance. I would say yeah. but she definitely deserves to be nominated, but I think we have to like discuss what a best actress and a best actor means like, and for me, it's, you don't have to like carry the film. You don't really have to be like, the person who's in the most frames, you know, you have to essentially kind of like hold what the film is about, you know, really allow the film to like flow through your character to have an interesting story, obviously to have an interesting character that changes and progresses. And I'm sorry, but like her character is not as interesting and not as new and unique as Carrie Mulligan's character in promising young woman like it's just not it's just not and like i could see so many other actresses could play fern they yeah, really could and i there are not many actresses that could do the role that carrie mulligan did in in promising a woman it's just it's yeah. just not i i so i don't know yeah i mean if you did stick someone else in nomadland would it have the same huge impact i don't know but i also know that that movie wasn't it, it's not on the shoulders of Frances mcdormand that film that film is about a whole cultural issue in America right now, a whole social economic issue that's going on right now. It, 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 it hits extremely hard because of the COVID pandemic. So it's extremely moving in, in so many thematical and external things going on in America's culture right now that Frances McDormand wasn't going to add something that was unique, but Carrie Mulligan, yeah, added that unique factor. She gave this haunting performance. There's, and we talked about this in our eighth episode when we were talking about Muni on the Bounty with Charles Law and giving this performance that it, it's method acting. It, it's diving so deep to the characters. It's its villainous quality. I'm not saying Carrie Mullen, Mulligan played a villain in Promising Young Woman, but she played. It was like a, very, a, sla- it's a slasher thriller yeah. film, which I know the Academy rarely does pick, but they do pick that sometimes for you know best acting, like for Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, like for Kathy Bates in Misery, Louise Fletcher in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There are these crazy performances these like out of touch characters that that do get recognized and so carrie wasn't going to get it fine she's not going to get it give it to viola davis then because she is extremely powerful she's going to be only the second 
black actress to win best actress. She would have been second after, um, after Halle Berry. So just, just do it. Like, and so, and so again, that then begs the question, are people actually watching these movies? Are they, did anyone actually see Nomadland? I don't, I'm assuming the most people saw Nomadland. That's why they picked her because that's the first thing that popped in her, their head. But they I didn't guess. see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but yet Chadwick Boseman was the talk of the whole entire award season. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it is weird because it makes me think like, oh, is the Academy still old? Like, is the yeah. Academy still just yeah. filled with a lot of old people? And they're like, oh, I know Francis McDormand. I don't know who the fuck Carrie Mulligan is, but uh, McDormand's been there many a time. So she probably deserves it. So click on her name. Yeah, and and again, like this isn't best picture is preferential balloting where that can be that has messed up a, a ton of things of recent memory, but uh, this is all just majority balloting. So I and again, this is why I want to see the results because I would love to see how many people outpicked Francis McDormand versus Viola Davis versus Harry Mulligan. And I know people were trying to be sneaky and being like, "Oh, Andre Day could win." That it's not the same performances that that the other people were were giving, and. Um, it, it really it it bothers me still clearly and uh it's it's cool it's cool that Frances McDormand has that third best actress in Oscar it's rare air she's the only she's the second to uh Catherine Hepburn she's tied with Meryl Streep she's tied with Danny Lewis Jack Nicholson I can list off so many great names so she's part of the the greatest of the greats she's great I mean she, she is I great. don't want to say that she's not I love her as a person and as an actress she's phenomenal yeah and the, and it's not and it's not her fault. I'm not blaming her. No, I'm blaming the, I'm no. blaming the Oscar voters because I I just don't think they they got it right, and they definitely did not get it right with this next one. So, we talked about it. They they took this gamble that Best Picture was going to be the third one announced of the night. They're going to wait, and they probably assumed, yeah, we're going to have uh, these two performances, probably from Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. We're going to have two black actors are going to win. It's going to preach diversity. It's going to be great. And also, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, so maybe they felt guilty that way, and they and they felt that that was going to be coming. And then you see, you have Joaquin Phoenix come out there, and he looked like did he did not want to be. He there. looked like yeah, he looked like he did not want to be there. Uh, and he, it was pretty funny. People were putting out like photos and stills from the Joker for when he was like on the stage reading off. Oh, like, did you see this? Yeah. No, see I haven't seen around? that. No, no, on Twitter. So uh, it, it's an image from, from the Joker film, and it's a part where uh, Arthur Fleck is doing a comedy routine, and he's sitting on stage, and he has, like, a book in his hand. He's looking at the audience and kind of, like, like, laughing. throws like, it away or something? Yeah, yeah. He, it, but he has, like, this funny look on his face, like, ooh, like, look what I'm looking at. <laughs> and people are like, oh, this is what happens when Joaquin Phoenix gives it out because he had to read that it went to Anthony Hopkins. and. It's not Anthony Hopkins' fault that he won. Anthony Hopkins also wasn't there, so it just all of a sudden the whole air came out of out of the room. It came out of where me and John were watching the the Oscars because we were completely dumbfounded that for months since since he since they said since it was announced that he had died last August, since Ma Rainey had came came out since. They started giving out all the precursor awards leading up to this. It was just Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman. And now Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, like I said earlier, it seemed like the producers really were betting that that he would win. And they would assume and most likely be right. And it's funny with... (laughs) With him introducing this award and just clearly not giving a fuck about not only acting... But being there, the Academy Awards, just like clearly just not wanting to be there, like we said, 
And then he has supposedly like a script that he was supposed to read that was about how you can transform. And, you know, you get so in touch with the character that you kind of forget who you are. And he just completely shot it down. It was like, I've never felt that in my entire life where it's like you're just killing like the movie magic. Like that was written for a reason. And it's to like show how like transformative movies can be in the process and yada, yada, yada. And that's fine if you don't believe it. No, I kind of love it too. But it's like what a slap in the face. Like he is never going to be nominated again, I would say. Like, I don't even care how good of a performance he is. Like, I bet that pissed a lot of people off the way he was, like, treating and talking about it. Yeah. Especially that it was the last award of the night. Yeah, it was a lot, and it was so... It was also weird, too, because usually it's the best actress in the year before giving out actor and the best yeah, actor. Yeah, and it was not, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's because they they thought that Renee Zellweger would be better announcing for, presumably, Viola Davis. And they thought maybe Joaquin Phoenix because... He is a sensitive person. He's very in touch with himself, and maybe he would have given a very, you know, great emotional, like, and this goes to Chadwick Boseman, and it didn't. It went to Anthony Hopkins, and, and this isn't Anthony Hopkins' fault. I love Anthony Hopkins. I, I am not blaming. I'm going to say this right now. I am not blaming Anthony Hopkins at all. He I, he actually does. I think he's well-deserved to have this, but. Yeah, it's a phenomenal performance. It, it's a very phenomenal performance in The Father. Go watch it. But for months for months we've been saying Chadwick Boseman Chadwick Boseman Chadwick Boseman Chadwick Boseman is, is going to win this he 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 gave he, he I mean it's not like he didn't deserve it he, he so deserved it and I actually think that that him and Anthony Hopkins gave two of the best lead actor performances of recent memory and I, so I look back at within the last 10 years and I think they're better than people who than these people who won and that was Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody I thought they were both better than I thought they were better than Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour I think to an extent Leo in The Revenant because we all know Leo only won The Revenant because he's Leo and he finally needed a fucking Oscar because they couldn't get that right for years it's not a better performance than yeah, that yeah um, what, no, the, no way that's a better performance than The Revenant I'm sorry I gotta stop you right there <laughs> I don't know I, I really I thought those performances were better I didn't think Eddie Red, I thought Redmayne was great but I thought these were better and then Colin Firth and the King's Speech a movie that I, I actually do like um, but I thought that Anthony Hopkins and Chadwick Boseman were better. They were electric. I mean, electric in different ways, but like the way Chadwick Boseman was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was so in your face and, and so outrageous. And like the, and I'm saying this in like the most positive ways, cause it was so, it was so powerful. And again, you were watching this guy's last performance ever on film while, while he was probably dealing with chemotherapy while he was battling colon cancer and you and you, and you give thing I think Hopkins and I get it I get it why but why why did you have to do it this like I don't think that this is going to be Anthony Hopkins' last performance I think he probably was going to have another shot I because anything Anthony Hopkins does is is great and he's a and he's a great person and even in his he did he wasn't there so he did like a thank you speech this morning from Wales and he even said he wasn't expecting it he even took he didn't even thank the other nominees he just said you know. He's for just thank you to Chadwick Boseman because it seemed like he even thought that he just wasn't going to win this because yeah. it seemed so presumptive that it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. And I know, okay, maybe, yeah, the, maybe the Revenant was a little bit better than I'm giving it credit for, but I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point that, that these were two really good performances that both did deserve it, but, but, and it plays more into the best, like what makes the best actor argument. Is it the best performance or is it the best cultural impact because of your performance? Cause you had the best performance and Anthony Hopkins, and you have a slightly by like the tiniest of, of milla percentage of a difference in Chadwick Boseman 
but that was such a big cultural thing for everyone. You know, Black Panther was so big. Everyone was like, it, I think it's the most liked or most retweeted tweet ever uh, when when they announced that he died. So there, there's something significant to that. And the and this is all just falls on the shoulders of the Academy who fucks up again. I think it just has to be age. Just like Best Actress, when people are voting, like they're probably asking like their granddaughter, like who the fuck is Chadwick Boseman? And they're like Black Panther, and they're like, oh, definitely not going to pick him. Then like there, I, there's no other explanation of why he would lose, especially with this many people like predicting and assuming that he's going to win. It just that has to be the only reason. That's like the only thing that makes sense to me is that it's just an older academy vote and they're just he's a younger guy that they may just not know that well and they see anthony hopkins you're like i've seen his movies for 50 years like he's amazing of course i'm gonna pick him but it's like all these people run in the same circles like i know it's like all there are differences in who actually votes they all live in hollywood they're all there they're all involved in the industry and they all have their heads up their ass because they don't actually know what to do they don't actually have a respect for the film industry they don't have a respect for people who actually work on these movies they don't have respect they clearly don't have respect for chadwick boseman because they all just assumed oh well he's just gonna get it so let me just give it to anthony hopkins because anthony hopkins deserved it there's no logical reasoning that within a few weeks time of all the awards going to chadwick boseman that now it's like oh well let's get anthony hopkins there's really no reasoning behind it and i don't get the I don't get it, and this is why, again, like, I want results. I want to see the numbers behind it. If you're going to tell me that you're going to add 500 new young Academy of Voters, then let me see the, the votes. Let me see the totals. Don't just like leave us hanging. There's got to be a reason behind this. What's also weird about him winning is that the father only came out, like, what, 45 days ago, a month ago? Like, it's- yeah, it, it, it just it came out, the, and, yeah. it, and it's, it's on Hulu. You know, more people probably have Netflix. So I, there's, I guarantee more people in the Academy have seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So what? Wow. It's it's so confusing. It's so interesting. Why? And maybe they just really think he just had that good of a performance, which The Father is, is uh, an amazing performance, yeah. and he is the central key, and without him, it doesn't really work. So Yeah, and if you're telling me that, like, maybe it's not a – Ma Rainey isn't accessible. I actually think it's more accessible to watch than The Father. The Father is... I still don't... I don't even know what happened in that movie, (laughs) quite quite honestly. That's kind of the point, though. Yeah, that is kind of the point. And again, I'm not blaming Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, great performance. He... This is not any of his fault. This is the people who vote. Me and you have been vocal about this for a while now. We've talked about how this is an issue at the first Academy Awards. This is... This is just seems to be an issue, and they seem to, yeah, they'll give enough of a shit to, to make it pronounced in the best short category or for best costume or makeup and hair. Like, they'll make it very prevalent that, like, yeah, we care about diversity in these categories, but in the acting categories, we're still going to go with the white people. Sorry, like, it, it just that's what you're telling us when you're when these are the awards that of how they're being announced, and Maybe when we get to episode 93 of Worthy, when we talk about Nomadland and give it its true breakdown and we have some time behind us, we'll feel differently. But right now, it, this whole ceremony left a bad taste in our mouths. And, you know, it already is the is a way bigger blunder than the whole Moonlight La La Land mishap. I think so. Wow. Um, I, I've heard, I've seen crazy. That, I've seen that take a few from a few places that some people are saying this is a bigger mishap. I don't know if I would go that far just because it's like the actual winner not getting correctly announced like on stage. But 
Yeah, I could see why people are that hurt just because they but, expected this. But moment. let me put it to you this way: when you think about when you think Moonlight, do you automatically think about how great that movie is, or how much of a fuck up that they did at the Oscars? Yeah, obviously think about how good that movie is, but but I, but but that's for you. But most people are going to think like, oh yeah, that was the movie that they they fucked up at the Oscars. That you know they they didn't they forgot to mispronounce that, and now they're going to think like, oh Chadwick Boseman, he got robbed. Yeah, it I, it just leaves that taste. It leaves that poor, you know, just just shitty feeling because they they did make a misstep. And quite honestly, you know, it. And I don't know how else to put it better than that. It, it the the whole debate of what constitutes a best performance, best film, whatever, it's never going to be answered. But clearly, you're telling us right now that the voting base still only gives a shit about white actors and. White performers, yeah, specifically in those like lead, best actor, yeah. best uh, actress category. Yeah, I'm dumbfounded. We're both kind of like, yeah, don't really we're know. both just kind of, kind of stumped. Yeah, I, it, it's I, that's the way the show ended. It just ended in, like in a fart in the wind. No one was even there to accept the yeah. award. Everyone great was just was like, host there. Oh, um, yeah, exactly. It's a good way to wrap up this fucking podcast. Yeah, it would have been great if there was a host to be like. Well, that was weird, wasn't it? Like, um, uh, wish Chadwick Boseman won. Like, there could have been, like, yeah. at least a joke acknowledging it or something, but well, it was just like, bye. Yeah. Oh, speaking of one more thing that they fucked up the in memoriam, we'll just say this really quickly. They did that awfully. They, oh, they it sped was, right through it. They, <laughs> poor song that? choice. That was awful. Like, I, I get you're trying to be a little bit more uplifting. I, well, I think who chose it was Quest Love. What, oh, God. So Quest Love oh, just, that, I don't know. It just, that was not how you should do a memoriam. I'm sorry. It should be more somber. I at least give like equal time to everybody. Yeah. The fact that it felt like someone like was leaning on a button that was like fast forwarding yeah. the video by accident. And they're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. And then it like stopped and then it went back to normal speed. And then they're like, Oh no, 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 no. We got to go forward again. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. Very, the whole, whole ceremony was odd. Um, I don't really know what else we can really say about no, it. No, I think that really wraps it up because yeah. the show itself didn't really offer that much. And, and a lot of the speeches were yeah. pretty pretty long and straightforward and not much like craziness happened other than like the end blowout. Yeah. Really. The, that's what I remember. I even asked people on our Instagram, you know, to submit like what was something that like stood out to them and then yeah. we could talk about. And all they talked about or want us to talk about was the Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins. Of course. Wonder. Yeah. And that's all that's going to be remembered about this. And, they had a get out of jail free card that this is the COVID year. We could have just done this a, in a much better way. And they, yeah, we would have been very forgiving if like, okay, it just doesn't look the same, but if you're just going to go with the chalk and just everyone gets what everyone assumed was going to get, it would have just been a normal thing, but they still fucked that up and they make it a whole topic of discussion. It's another slap in the face to black cinema, to black actors. It's a slap in the face to Chloe Zhao, to into nomad land of how they structured the whole order. And it just did not praise films and, and movies and the whole experience. So, I think what will happen is because the Academy just loves to please people as much as possible. Like, not with their nominations or predictions, but like after the fact where something yeah. happens, they're like, I want to make sure that it's better and more people continue to watch. So, I think he'll get an honorary award, not next year, but like maybe in the future when this kind of cools down a little bit. They'll give his career and That's not his, even his whole. I don't know. I mean, it'll never be enough, obviously, because people wanted this specific award. But I think that's all they'll end up doing, and people will probably give them shit for doing it. Yeah. But they will, and I think his career honestly deserves an award. I mean, for something as significant as Black Panther alone, like oh, he was he on defined a, like defined no a generation. Yeah, exactly. And he would be probably continuously nominated. 
throughout the rest of his age, you know, if he just could continue to live and didn't die of stupid fucking cancer. Yeah. So I think that's where we kind of have to wrap up uh, this special edition of Worthy. Uh, Let us know what you thought of it. We're going to be talking about this probably much, much more, you know, in our upcoming episodes and way down the line. But this was a very weird, bizarre Oscar award. So I'm Ben. No, I'm John. And, and this, this is worthy. worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, a breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to Worthy Submissions at gmail.com. That's Worthy Submissions at gmail.com.